Hey, what's up everybody? It's your boy Bradley Thompson here and we are back with another episode of the Living the Canadian Dream podcast, episode number 72 today. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Relentless Bikes. Summer is officially here, the sun's shining, and the roads need to be ridden on, okay? So get yourself an awesome single-speed bike today at RelentlessBikes.com. Also, check out their apparel, check out their performance gear, recovery gear, but also all of their bikes. RelentlessBikes.com, that is RelentlessBikes.com. They're also running a huge sale right now on single-speed bikes, so take advantage of that opportunity. Get yourself a single-speed bike today at RelentlessBikes.com. Also, if you're looking to get noticed online, if you have a small business, a startup, a large business, a corporation, whatever you have, you need to get noticed online, especially during this pandemic. So make sure that you check out DigiHype Media. DigiHype Media has a lot of awesome social media marketing services, website design services, anything digital marketing, and they will help you get noticed online. So check out DigiHypeMedia.ca for more information. That is D-I-G-I-H-Y-P-E Media for more. With all that being said, let's hop right into today's episode. Okay, we are officially back. We are in the booth, fire in the booth, as they say. Um, <laughs> about to spit my raps, as every rapper does. Amazing. Just out here making quality music, quality beats. Okay, we got a big episode today, okay? We got an awesome episode. I had an awesome guest. You have been asking for more guests, and guess what? We delivered today. We have an amazing episode. We have an elite ultra runner on the podcast and we talk about a bunch of different things okay katie arnold who is an elite ultra runner and the woman's champion of the leadville 100 trail race came on the podcast today if you know anything about ultra running just running in general especially trail running you would know that the leadville 100 is one of the craziest races of all time there's books written about this race. That's how amazing this race is. It's absolutely insane. And she won this race. So it is an absolute honor that she came on the podcast today and that we could have a conversation. Also, on top of that, Katie Arnold is a writer and she writes for a magazine called Outside Magazine. But on top of that, she also has a book. It's called Running Home, which is a memoir. It's amazing. It's about her life. It's about running. And it's just absolutely amazing. I just started reading it and it's already incredible. Okay, so check out Running Home. You can check it out by yourself, a paperback. But also, if you're not into reading, which I know some people aren't, it's okay. It's okay. We're not telling anybody secrets here. It's also available on Audible. Okay, so audiobook, you can get yourself an audiobook of this book as well. So it's called Running Home by Katie Arnold. So make sure that you check that out. This episode was a lot of fun re to record. It was absolutely amazing. You know, Katie has a lot of experience, so it was just great to have a conversation with her about, you know, why she got into running, you know, her tips for new runners, you know, the gear that she uses, her favorite shoes, the way that she fuels her runs, and also how she's able to be safe, especially on these long runs that she does up in the mountains. So 
absolutely fantastic episode. If you are into running, if you're just into, you know, adventure, the outdoors, this episode is for you. It is incredible. So I hope you enjoy today's episode with Katie Arnold. And with that being said, let's hop into today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Living the Canadian Dream podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest from the other side of the border, Katie Arnold. She is a legend. Um, So Katie, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, I know a lot about you just simply from things like the Leadville 100. (laughs) I am a huge fan of that race and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but if you can explain to everybody a little bit about yourself, that'd be great. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm, I'm excited to chat with you. Um, I am an ultra runner and a journalist and a writer, a mother. I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, I am, I grew up going to a cottage in Canada. I think that's how we connected on the the Canadian front. Um, but I have been a journalist for 20 plus years at outside magazine, which is based here in Santa Fe. Um, I wrote a book called Running Home, which is a memoir of, among other things, sort of losing my father and Mm. and the grief that followed and then becoming an ultra runner in the wake of that as as a means of really of healing and sort of seeking out wildness as um, a solace um, and a way to get through that. And I was a new mother at the time, so I have two daughters, they're 10 and 12, and um, I lost my dad when... Um, about 11 years ago. So my youngest was just a newborn. So I had that whole mishmash of grief and postpartum and kind of midlife stuff going on. And um, the what happened is my grief morphed into this pretty acute anxiety um, so that I became convinced that I was dying as well. And, yeah. and so running home is really my story of how running healed me from that anxiety. The anxiety is not gone for good. It just, um, but it's running is how I managed it. And it's really kind of a love letter to running. I've been a runner my whole life, um, though in probably a different form than a traditional competitive ultra runner. Um, And it's also really a coming of age story as a writer, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really how I found my voice. in writing and running has always been central to my writing process. It's really how I think probably many runners or athletes might experience this is like how you um, tap into your imagination is through mm-hmm. movement, especially for me in wilderness. So I'm not a, you know, a road runner per se. I use the roads to get to the trails, but for me, I really come alive and kind of tap into my um, imagination and creativity when I'm out in the backcountry. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, that's great. And I totally agree with you. Um, I myself am in love with trail running. That's yeah. like my favorite thing of all time. And even things like mountain bike riding and stuff like that. It's just the trails are a totally different feel than just, you know, the open road or the sidewalk, yeah. um, for example. Um, it really makes you escape and sort of be one with nature, which is, which is a great experience. I think so too. Yeah. I'm always looking to get away from the cars and away from, especially it seems like in this COVID year, 
yeah. in a weird way, things have gotten busier out there. Like the, the roads got quiet, but it was like nature became this really fundamentally necessary um, stress relief for me, even Absolutely. more so. Um, although our trails have gotten crowded too. I think that's true yes. everywhere is that um, people are out and about in, in the backcountry. For sure. Down. Yeah, for sure. E- even where I live, um, um, you know, we actually just moved further outside of the GTA recently, like last week, which is pretty crazy. But, you know, before we were in the GTA um, in Oakville and, you know, the trails around the GTA before were just empty, nobody ever hiking. Now, over the last year, just people are hiking and, you know, people of all types, you know, you'll see people on a trail and it's just like, you shouldn't be out here in flip-flops and, you know, a dress shirt, but you'll see it. And it's just like, people are just trying to get outside, which is good to see people getting active, but it's very, uh, the surge and like just outdoor activities because of the yeah. lockdowns is, is insane. We've had, you know, there's a lot of impact, I think too, on trails and wilderness areas. And I've noticed a huge change just in, um, trash and like, you know, people are going to the bathroom out there yeah. and not necessarily having the um, wilderness know-how of like how to, you know, properly take care of that. And um, so I think, I think, you know, there's that idea that we're kind of loving our, our wildlands to death and um, that it feels like that now. Again, sure. it's so, it's great to see people out and yeah. moving because I do think both nature and movement and especially the combination of the two are so powerful. And it's just like a, a primal human need for sure that we have. Um, but, but yeah, it's been a, a, I think an interesting set of challenges this year. Yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so how did you get into running? When did you start running? I have been a runner. I really say my whole life. Um, I started, I, I ran my first race and I write about this in running home, um, kind of as an accident when I was seven, okay. um, it was a 10 K road race, which is, okay. you know, just that's big for a seven year old. <laughs> big time. I had never run. I don't even think a mile at that yeah. point. And, um, my sister and I grew up in New Jersey. Um, we, we lived in New Jersey with our mother and my, my father lived in, um, Virginia and they had split when we were very young. And so we traveled back and forth every few months and we were down at my dad's farm in Virginia in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And um, he was always trying to think of fun things for us to do. He was a really outdoorsy guy. Okay. He was a photographer for National Geographic. So he had that kind of adventurous spirit, yeah. um, more than an athletic background. You know, he was more into um, just exploring, but he had this idea and he was like, hey girls, I heard there's this 10K race um, this weekend, you know, he was, he was classic dad, like looking for things to do with his kids who are visiting. And, um, I, 10k meant nothing to me. I was, and you know, six miles, I had no idea how far that was, but I wanted to impress my father. And so I said, yes. And my sister said, yes. And the catch was that he was not going to run it with us. Okay. He, which seemed totally normal to me. He was the photographer. He was going to be at the end. At the finish line. <laughs> finish line with his photo, with his camera, many, multiple cameras around his neck. And he was going to capture the moment forever. And um, my sister and I were like, all right. And, you know, we took off. The gun goes off. It's a classic foot race. This is oh, the yeah. late 70s. And um, 
we probably, you know, sprinted for a 10th of a mile yeah. and then we slowed to a run and then it was like jog. And then it was like, we were for sure walking a lot of it, but we finished and I, I'm sure I was last, but as I write about in the book, like what stuck with me was that incredible sense of accomplishment that comes when you, you complete something that you thought was absolutely impossible for sure. Like, you know, at going into it or not even going into it, but once we started, I was like, we're never going to finish. And then when you actually finish it, yeah. it's this elation and this sense of perseverance that, you know, really is scalable to the ultra model, right? Like this yeah. was a 10 a, but same thing when you start an ultra and you're in mile 10 or, you know, even mile five of a marathon and you feel like it, how are you ever going to finish? And then you do make it in whatever form to the finish line that accomplishment is really profound. And that mm -hmm. just stuck with me. And I think because of that experience, I detached early on from the results. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't how I did that race. It was that I did it at that age. And so I always identified as a runner after that, though I didn't have a traditional trajectory. Like I didn't compete in mm -hmm. high school or college running. I yeah. played cross and tennis and, um, and so running got to be this like really personal private thing for me okay. that was never based on extrinsic measurements. Mm -hmm. And, and as I said earlier, it was, I was a, early on knew I wanted to be a writer and, and write running or moving, even riding my bike. When I did those things, I would make up these elaborate stories in my head. And, and okay. so I understood early on that running was a form of creativity. For sure. And so running just was this, this private thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really, I did go back and run that same race every year. And my sister and I ended up, you know, eventually winning our age groups. I ultimately like won the, the race, the women's race numerous times. And, wow. and so performance did factor in somewhat, but I think that the reason I'm still running happily and successfully in my forties is that I got to keep running as my private personal, like joy. Absolutely. And when it comes from a deep place inside, um, I think it's a stronger foundation than yeah. when you're just trying to get a time or, you know, get on the podium. For sure. So that's kind of my story. And I, so I began competing just sporadically in trail races when I moved to New Mexico in my twenties okay. and then um, really started doing ultras and competing and winning um, in my forties here in New Mexico. Awesome. That's fantastic. I love it. And yeah. you know, that's a great story. And you know, I remember even when I was um, growing up in elementary school and stuff like that, I remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, those early races for people at the start, all oh. the kids are just sprinting flat out, flat out. I don't know who told me. It, it may have been my dad because my dad is, you know, an athletic person. He was actually a national cyclist for um, a Trinidad and Tobago um, back in the day. He was a track cyclist. And um, he, I, it must have been him that told me like, at the start, you know, don't sprint, let people, you know, basically kill themselves at the start. So it's funny that you say that because I remember that exact thing with cross country days, everybody just sprinting at the start. So well, run your own race. Right. Yeah, and so, exactly. And I think because for so long I was running my own race, I mean, my own race quote unquote was like going out the back door, like with my Walkman on, for and sure, like, yeah. you know, around the neighborhood for my own purposes. And, and so that's always been my style. Um, and it's interesting now to be like, um, competitive with it because it's pretty easy to get pulled out of yourself and For like sure. 
especially with social media, like compare yourself, what's everyone else running, especially in this strange year when so many people have so many different constraints based on where they are. So I find that I need to always come back to my deeper reasons why I run because it's so easy to get pulled out of yourself. And, 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 you know, social media is so great for connecting runners to each other, but um, it's come, you know, it's a cautionary tale too, because everyone has different reasons why they run and what, you know, some, some people want to compete and some people want to explore remote places. And, um, and it's just, I think to keep coming back to why, like why it moves you, like why you do it is. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that. And, you know, that's actually something that I've um, sort of experienced myself with like the world of multi-sport. There's a lot of people that get into things like triathlons and, you know, duathlons and everybody has a different reason. Some people are just trying to get in shape. Some people are trying to, you know, accomplish this big goal. So it's very interesting that you mentioned that about running because it's the exact same thing. I think it's like that for a lot of endurance sports as well, um, because it's all on you, right? Like um, you don't necessarily have to race other people. It can just be just for your own personal Right. It's your own personal journey. And I think when I come to it from that place, it's really strong inside of me. And then, but when I come to it purely as like, oh, I have to prove myself or I have to get on the podium, it feels um, pretty, pretty rickety, like pretty vulnerable to (laughs) to outside forces. But I don't like, I don't train in a typical way. Like, so you mentioned triathletes and like, I'm pretty, pretty much a minimalist, like with both gear and um, tech. Okay. So I am low tech in that. I mean, I wear a watch and I, mm-hmm. I track my time and I'll do my distance to make sure I'm getting, you know, around about the miles or actually I'm more interested in vertical gain to be okay. honest um, because I love running mountains is my specialty. Um, mm-hmm. But so I'm less concerned about metrics and that helps me sort of tap in and pay closer attention to how I'm feeling when I run because I do find when I run my watch and I'm on that pace it's yeah. a totally different experience. I mean I'm literally checking my it's wrist true. every three seconds like what is what difference is that going to make but for yeah. some reason so um so that's been always part of how I run is is by feel more than by numbers Okay. So, so with your training and stuff like that, are you going, so you're going based off of feel. So do you have like a day that this is going to just be an easy run? This is going to be yeah. a hard run, like intervals and stuff like that. Is that sort of what you do? I mean, yeah. I have started most, most for all of my running until the last year and a half, I've been self-coached. Okay. And then recently I have started working with a coach. I had so much going on around the launch of my book and being for on sure. book tour and trying to balance that with running, I found it really helpful to work with someone who could just give me a plan so that I could focus on, you know, my writing and my book publicity. Um, And so, yeah, now I'll have easy days, like Tuesdays are my interval workout days, Fridays are my long run. Um, I'll do like hill strides in between. Uh, but again, like I'm, I'm guessing that my coach, he, has, he coaches a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. Most of them are like putting their times or they're, you know, for sure they're on Strava. So for I'm sure, sure you have a lot more metrics on them than me, but yeah. I'll just run in and be like, felt great, you know, like yeah, ran yeah. 90 minutes. And I don't know, that works for me. I think for you sure. have to do what's true to you. Of course. Um, yeah. Of course I'm super, I've, I'm open, like be working with a coach has taught me a lot. And 
Um, like, I think there's so much to learn from other runners, but ultimately like it has to feel like it's the right thing yeah. uh, for you. For sure. So especially if you want to be consistent in the long run, right. If you're going to keep up with it, like yeah. if logging it on training peaks isn't for you, then, you know, just don't do it. Um, I don't know. I do not like, need to be on Strava. That's yeah. I'm competitive enough with myself. I don't need to compete with like strangers you know what's you know what's funny I'm the exact same way like I'm super competitive especially when it comes to racing and stuff like that but I'm not on Strava I don't need to see anything like that I see enough on Instagram I'm good and that's that's it yeah I know also there's that kind of I was thinking about this the other day like I had this strange encounter I was running and I was up in the high mountains and I I was on a single track and I crossed this forest service road which I've run up a lot too, and I never see anyone on it. Um, mm-hmm. And here comes this older guy, fully dressed in camo, um, with a rifle on his back. Oh and it's God. not hunting season here. And he looks at me and he's like, hey, nice tan. And I was like, oh, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. And I just, what are you hunting? And he says, nothing. I just want to carry my gun. And so my plan would, was to go up the road a ways, a few more miles, and that's where he was going. And so I sat and just ate like a gel and gave him time to get ahead. For sure. But I went around a couple of bends and he was not, he was struggling. Like yeah. he was moving slowly on his bike and I was catching him and I was like, darn it. Like I cannot, and I should not follow a guy with a gun. Like yeah, yeah. it makes no sense to like catch up with him. For sure. You know, he was probably harmless. I don't know. But um, after that, I thought, you know, like, that's a good reason not to be on Strava. Yeah. Like people can see where you're running and your habits. Is that right? Like I, they, I, th- I think so. If you, maybe stuff? if you track it real time or it may be similar to like Zwift and stuff like that, or like Garmin where it like uploads after, um, I've never done it. So I'm not, you know. I just wouldn't want someone to know that like on every, you know, Wednesday she's running. X exactly. Day. They'll be able to see that for sure. And that's and why I, I don't use it. <laughs> I had never thought yeah. of that. That's not like, that's sort yeah. of like, reason number five why I don't raise it yeah. use it but mostly it's just like I want to just be in the flow when I run For sure yeah and I'm not going to be in the flow if I'm thinking like can I beat some random person for sure <laughs> absolutely yeah I, I totally agree with you I'm on the same page with that <laughs> I love it um when you're going for those long runs um what does a long run look like for you I'm um, so you know so like this past week I did a 20 mile run and okay. I started I live it in Santa Fe which is we're at 7,000 feet in elevation okay I don't know how many meters that is like um I'm not sure but it's higher than us here (laughs) it's it's higher than Denver um and so I started around 7,000 feet and then I run um all single track okay cool for about 10 miles up into the mountains and I I think I did about 35 or 4,000 vertical feet. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And so I'm just out like 20 miles is a pretty solid long run at that elevation for sure. Um, and, um, and I'm out by myself. I mostly run alone, okay. not really by choice, but more by habit. Um, mm-hmm. because I just run like, I'm not a super early morning runner. I have kids and I have to yeah. get them out the door for school. And, and then like, I've got morning chores or like I meditate before I run a little bit, like, especially on long run days, I'll sit for like 10 minutes just to kind of like get an idea for the day or like what, um, a feeling I want to have when I run. For sure. And that's really important to be in that headspace. That's kind of my mental training. So by the time I get out the door, it might be like eight 30 or nine, okay. you know, there's probably a lot of runners who are out like super early. That's for not sure. me. 
So I'm running alone. And uh, I, the other day I started carrying a bear bell. Okay. Um, we have bears, we have mountain lions. Um, I have not seen, well, I've seen a mountain lion, but I have not seen, I actually have seen a bear. But anyway, it's, you know, I, I carry a bear bell just to be safe. Just in case, yeah. And um, yeah, I'm just pretty much out for a few hours. Um, and being, again, like the mountains are open now to us. They've been snowed under all winter. And okay. so it's just, that's my happiest place to be way up high. Yeah. You know, not even, like we have great foothills trails here in Santa Fe, like in the hills in the city. But this is like true, this, you know, um, Santa Fe National Forest wilderness. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, in terms of those long runs or just runs in general, are you bringing like a backpack with like your nutrition in it? Like, what does that sort of look like? How do you usually yeah. prepare for that? On um, my long runs, um, I always carry a um, a running pack, a running vest. Mm-hmm. I run with this great vest right now made by Patagonia. Um, I've tried tons of different kinds and I'll carry, sometimes I'll carry two soft flasks, so okay. like 17 ounce um, bottles up front. Um, but recently I did a race in Utah where they had a minimum carry requirement for water, um, at 40 ounces. It was in the desert and that was a precaution. And so I started using a bladder again, which I haven't used or, you know, a a reservoir. And I actually kind of like that, like better than the bottles. Um, and I, so I've just like over the many years I've gone all different kind of, you know, I used to run with the bladder and then I got sick of it. It's a, if they're harder in races, you have to pull them out and open them and um, bottles are easier bottles. You can also see how much you've had, but um, I like to mix it. Just having a slight variation Mm -hmm. in your habits um, and your routine can kind of just freshen things up. So I, this sounds weird, but like running with the bladder has been like my little freshen up this past few weeks. I have, I drink with, uh, I drink, um, I use goo products. And okay. so they have this amazing new rock teen, um, strawberry hibiscus drink, which has 250 calories okay. in it, um, per, you know, two scoops of 250. And so you can get a, like, I've been doing a lot of liquid calories and That's that, good, yeah. those go down really easy. Um, and then I run mostly with gels, with goo gels. Okay. Um, and so I'll just take you know, I need about 200 calories an hour or 300 mm-hmm. an hour if I'm over 10,000 feet in elevation. Yeah. Uh, and I've got that down. Fortunately, I have a pretty strong stomach. Like my stomach does not get too fussy. For sure. Yeah. I can tolerate all that stuff. So yeah, I just make sure I'm, you know, my whole thing with, with hydrating is anytime I think I should drink, that's my cue to drink. And Absolutely. It seems to work really well. So even if I have that thought of like, I don't feel like it, I'm like, oh, that's my cue. I got a drink. For sure. It's, I stay, you know, well hydrated. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always wonder, you know, what people do, because we don't really have mountains around where I am. Uh, What do you do when you're sort of going up to that elevation? So that's, that's very interesting to see how you're sort of traveling with all that stuff. Um, When you're going for your, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, it's a lot. And then I usually have to carry a little light jacket just in case. Just in case. Yeah. And, and it's been interesting to see, like, to notice, oh, right, at above 10,000 feet in elevation, like, if I'm not eating enough, I'm kind of my brain's getting a little foggy. I get, let's see. Yeah, for sure. Um, in, in terms of your runs, are you using music? Are you bringing any headphones or anything like that? Or yeah. is it just all open? I do. Okay. I do. I do a mix. Um, cool. I'm definitely, I love listening to music when I run. It mm-hmm. kind of 
transports me. Like it doesn't, a lot of people say, oh, you're in this bubble or you're not connected for sure. to your environment. I actually find it connects me um, to myself and my body in a way that feels um, more meaningful or like just more connected sometimes. Okay. Um, and, but I don't listen to it all the time. And in a race, I have a pretty um, tradition, you know, my strategy I use from race to race is like, I always bring music. Um, and I let myself listen to it at the halfway mark. Okay. And that's kind of like the carrot that gets me there if I need a carrot. For sure. And then when I put it on, I'm, it just feels like a second or wind, you know, yeah, like, yeah. it's such a boost. And oftentimes, like I'll say, if it's a 50 K race, like, okay, when I get to mile 15, it's game on, I can put my music on. And okay. usually I push myself a little farther. So it might not be till mile 21 or 22. And, um, but it's just, it's nice to know that I have it in my pocket, like, so to speak. And sure. um, if I need it, and sometimes like I've had to put it on sooner if I'm having a hard day mm-hmm. and sometimes I, I, I don't put it on at all. So it's just, it can, it's a great tool. And then, you know, on my shorter runs, a lot of times I don't use it, um, okay. it just depends. but I yeah, try, yeah. You know, I, I always keep it at a level that I can hear around me for sure. Um, like in any time, like in a race, I'm always like taking it out to talk. I'm super chatty in races. Okay. But that's partly why I don't listen to it early on. Cause I like to kind of get into the groove and relax yeah. um, by talking to people. Absolutely. So I'm that person who's like, we, like, if we're running together for a few miles, like I might be chat, like I might ask you where you're from and like sure. chat and that, um, and, and that's, that's also a tool I use for sort of getting through the early miles. Like if I'm having a hard time, it's a good distraction. That's great. Awesome. I love it. And, you know, I think a lot of people are in the same sort of scenario. Some people sort of play it by ear, depending on, you know, the day, the type of workout and stuff like that, if they're bringing music along. So it makes sense. Um, I think there's different considerations, like in urban areas, or like if, if I was running on roads or like d- at dark, for sure, I think I would have a different approach. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, there's so many very vari- variables. I think it's just important to be able to know what's happening around you and to be aware. For sure. Yeah, I know. I think that's very, very important, especially if you're in the wilderness, it is important to know, especially where you are, because sometimes you can get lost in the music. You may sort of, if you're not familiar with the area, it's important to, to know where you are. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm very, I'm super familiar with, I've lived in New Mexico for Santa Fe for 25 years. So it's that's like, good. I, like, I know all the trails and, um, I will say though, in COVID, um, we, and my family, my kids and husband love to be outside and hike. And we mm-hmm. did manage to find some new trails, which is super exciting. You know, after yeah. you've lived in a place so long, you think like there's nothing left to discover and pretty much there's always something to find. Of course. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's funny because even like I just recently moved and um, we're like right near a bunch of single track mountain biking mm-hmm. tracks and stuff like that. So lots of mountain biking. And yesterday I went out and, and I was just, it was kind of getting dark out it was dusk so kind of got lost but luckily it's near kind of a highway you can kind of hear this highway so you can kind of have a perception where you are but it is kind of sketchy once it's getting dark but um you always got to be careful I think that's really I think that's the fun thing about having your home trails and trails you know like the back of your hand exactly yeah every I know every turn on this mountain here in town that I run up a few times a week but then it makes it really special and energizing 
to go run someplace new. Exactly. So yeah. New races or I love that. Like that's a big reason why I run is For just sure. explore new trails. And um, so it's a good combination. Like I think it's I love having a relationship with the trails and mountains where I live. And then I, I love exploring new ones. New ones. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, when it comes to your training and stuff like that, are you training rain or shine only outdoors or are you ever going treadmill indoors? Yeah, I'm, I'm all weather all season. I, it's harder for me in the winter. Um, for obvious reasons, our trails get snowy for sure, more layers, you know, it's just harder. I find the lack of daylight. Um, I live in Santa Fe, so it's sunny a lot, Yeah, but it's still, those days are really short and, um, the circadian rhythm gets a little bit off. So, but I do go out. I, I don't, um, train on a treadmill. I never have I, I, not to say never, that's a major thing of mine. Never say never, yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. but, um, I, I think that I get my spirit and mood needs that boost from being outside. And I certainly in the winter need that vitamin D, however, like weak the sun is. And so, um, that's just such an, you know, an endorphin boost for me. For sure. And I do go outside and then now like spring, summer, fall is just like, you know, peak Perfect. running yeah. because um, the trails are clear uh, and it's just, yeah, it's, I love being outside. Yeah, I think, great. I, you know, I, I didn't mention this, but I really do come to competitive ultra running as an outdoor athlete. So mm-hmm. like you multi-sport athlete, for sure. I was really into mountain biking um, before I had kids. I, you know, race mountain bikes, um, they, we do a ton of skiing, backcountry skiing, rivers. And so that's, I think coming to the sport as an outdoor adventure athlete, it helps just with your durability. Like I am not just running all the time. Like I ride my bike for sure. I, I will, the, the one training I do inside is I will swim. Yeah, for sure. I love to swim. And so I'll do that in the winter. Um, but I, I do think having a, a mix. Yep. you know, your week is so healthy and it's just good for your brain. It keeps you, it feels creative. It keeps you, um, on your toes and not in that rut of like counting your miles, like how many did I do today? And for sure. Yeah, no. I, and I think that's very, very important. And I think a lot of people miss that when it comes to training, even as like just a beginner getting into a new sport, like changing it up with different exercises and stuff like that. It's just crucial. I remember a couple years ago when I was I'm really getting into duathlons and stuff like that. I was playing in a basketball league once a week and that cardio for basketball was totally different than any type of running racing. Cause it's just all like basically intervals that you're doing the entire. And I was really just doing it for just real, real good cardio. So. Yeah. Well, and I think too, if you're doing something you love, like today was my quote unquote rest day. Um, sure. my rest day, but you know, like I ride to my bike to school with my daughters. They it's awesome. four miles each way. So I, I ride there and then they go to school at where there's this awesome single track. So I did a couple laps and then I came home and by the time I got home, I'd ridden about like two hours, <laughs> you know, and some of that was For cruising sure. with them. Yeah. But I, and I just was like, wow, I feel strong. And I know it's because I've been riding and to yeah. throw it mountain biking, um, to the running fitness, I think is, is like such a, such a bonus. Yeah. It's a killer combo for sure. Absolutely. I love that. Um, in terms of 
running, getting into endurance sports, do you have any tips for like beginners, somebody sort of starting to run any yeah. key tips I for mean- that? I think the way I got into trail running was um, it was when I moved here um, from New York City. I worked in New York City a couple of years after college, and um, then I moved out here to work for Outside Magazine. And when I first got here, I had never really done trail running. And so I just started, um, I say one of the things is to sort of, like I said before, develop a relationship with where you are for sure. So, um, get to know your home terrain, whether it's Hills, um, single track, even just a running circuit in your neighborhood. And you can really get confidence by showing up for yourself and doing that with, you know, a few times a week and just building your confidence on, um, something that's right out your door. Yeah. And it does not have to be extreme. You don't have to draw, like make it easy on yourself. They always yeah. say like, right, if you're going to join a gym, make sure it's like less than X number of miles away. For sure. or, yeah. You know, but I believe that like, and, um, and just start small. Like I, the mountain that I was talking about that I run up quite a bit is called Adelaide. And it's probably 2000 feet of elevation gain from the bottom to the top. Awesome. And when I first started running up it, I would probably, I would stagger it. So I would run a section, walk a section, hike a section, run a section, hike a section. So you can always break it down. I think breaking it down is so important. So like, if you want to run a mile, you know, first start running five minutes and, you know, jog for two minutes and walk for two and, you know, alternate. And I do that a lot with my kids. Like if there's a harder objective they want to try, it's like, we always break it down into smaller bits. For sure. And um, that makes it more accessible. And, and then I think just either finding someone to do it with that, you know, wants to have share the same goal or, you know, try the same thing is great too, because it helps you stay motivated and, and it keeps you accountable. Again, like I'm mostly a solo athlete. Um, I think partly because being a writer and I know that I do a lot of my creative thinking and kind of working through my writing when I run, I run alone, you know, I do that alone, but that's, I know so many people get so much energy from meeting up or finding a, finding a group is great. I know it's tricky right now with COVID Um, here in the States, some running groups are starting up again. Okay. Um, but, the, but all those things can help. And, and I think finally just, you know, doing what makes you feel good and like, it's going, there'll be hard days, but if you are truly interested and, and enjoy it, that's, you know, that is so important. And I think my saying is do what moves you like literally yeah. what's getting out the door each day, like do that. And it doesn't have to make sense or you don't have to have a specific goal in yeah. the beginning. Just kind of follow that intuitive voice. I mean, that's how I got into ultra running. I just had this hunch. I was like, I just want to see what happens when I run farther. And I couldn't explain it at the time, like what it was about. Um, But I I think sometimes we lose touch with that intuitive voice, that kind of our inner knowing or our compass. Um, And if you can tune into that and follow your curiosity. For sure. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. And I totally agree with, you know, all the stuff that you said there, especially in terms of you got to enjoy, you know, if it's going to be sustainable, you have to enjoy it. You know, that's the only way you're going to keep up with it in the long run. Um, I mean, hard days, right? Like it's not like sunshine and there's certainly days where I'm like, Oh, I don't want, even though I love it, like in my deepest heart, like there's still some days when I am, I have a lot of resistance to it for sure. 
try to go out. And almost always when I do, and I come back, I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the exact same way, especially, you know, not every day is going to be a PR for sure. <laughs> also like, you know, maybe don't worry so much about like measuring your time or sure. like tracking that in the beginning, like just, just try to just go out and let go of that. Like, you know, people bring their phones when they run for safety, which I get. Yeah. Um, but sometimes like some of my best runs are when I leave, like I just decide I'm going to leave my phone yep. and, and I'm totally free. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. That's awesome. Um, in terms of making that transition from, you know, just a casual runner to sort of becoming a little bit more obsessed with it and then moving yeah. into, you know, obviously that elite category, how was that for you? It felt really natural. It felt, um, like it never felt premeditated. Again, I was in this, you know, pretty profound grief state. So mm -hmm. grief is that is pretty disorienting where you can't really see ahead of you. It's, it is like being in the woods, right? Like yeah. if the, the trail is twisting and you can't see more than a couple turns ahead of you. Um, and so all I knew is that like, I was afraid that I was dying and like, I, you know, someone could say like, Oh, did you hear about this person? They had this, you know, rare disease. And I would suddenly start to think like, maybe I have it. Yeah. And I had never had that before. And so I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where there's just tons of natural healers everywhere. And I'm an open yeah. person. So I tried, you know, I tried quite a bit and some of them worked and some didn't, but really what worked again, was that just very like old impulse in me or familiar place was running. And, um, so initially I was just running to like, get through those, that anxiety. Cause when I ran the first 10 or 15 minutes of any run, I would have high anxiety. But then as you get in, you know, as a runner, you probably feel, feel this too. Like you get into that repetitive movement and yeah. you, you drop away from your thoughts. So it is, it becomes this meditative state. And when I was in that place and in the woods and feeling the energy of the mountains and the trees, like I wasn't worried. And it also helped me to understand that my body was healthy. If I could go run 20 or 30 miles and come yeah. home, you know, and, and still be standing. And so, um, after I got through that initial period where I was just basically running to survive, yeah. I, um, kind of came out after like 16 months or something and felt that I was through it. And then I just was curious about like what my body was capable of and my sure. mind. And so that's when I signed up for my first ultra, um, was in 2012. Okay. And I had just, you know, part of the inspiration was I had met the ultra runner, Dean Carnassus, okay. uh, who is a great runner. He's got a new book out too. And um, he's just a dynamo. And I was doing, I was reporting a story on him for outside and he was doing his 50, um, marathons in 50 States in 50 days project wow. and he was coming through New Mexico and outside was like, Hey, would you interview Dean on his, you know, it was probably his 26, you know, day 26. And for I said, sure. sure. And so I met him and, um, I, of course I wanted to interview him while I ran while he ran because yeah. that's in his natural habitat. And so I was just going to run four or five miles with Dean, but I got so engrossed in the conversation and he was so magnetic and just really captivating talking about running these ultra distances quite accidentally. Like if you know his story, he just, one night he just ran from his house in San Francisco down to like half moon Bay, which is 30 crazy. miles. Away. And he's telling me yeah. this story. And I was like, 
Dean, you know, like a good reporter, I was like, what's the secret to doing that? And he, he's like, you're stronger than you think you are and you can go farther than you think you can. And that had a really powerful impact on me. And I didn't act on it right away. Like I filed, that was before my father died, before I had kids. But I, I must've put that like in the back of my brain. For sure. As, as I was going farther and farther in my grief and running, you know, to heal myself, his voice came back to me. And, and that's part of why I signed up for that first ultra was I was curious, like what, how far could I go? And so I, you know, I won that 50 K that I ran my first race and then I signed up for another and I won that. And, and so I was getting feedback that like, that I was, you know, had some skill at this. And then it's mostly just like, once you do one distance, you're like, what's the next one going to be like? <laughs> they are quite transcendent, right? They're, they're so physical and that like, it is a physical endeavor, but your mind goes through so many, um, so many different parts of the journey on an ultra marathon. And that to me is what's fascinating is, is kind of watching and studying your mind. That's really what writing is, is, sure. is watching your mind and, and where it takes you on the page. And so I just had a natural curiosity. And so then I just kept going up in distance and for sure. Yeah. So you started at 50 K was it 50 K 50 K yeah. 50 mm-hmm. K. And then where did you sort of end off for your total distance? Uh, the, the longest I've run is a hundred miles. Hundred. How was that? I mean, I mean, it was a transcendent experience. Yeah. Like it, it was, and like an out of body or it was fully in my body. It was like an in, in the mountains experience. I was, um, I just felt like I was in a flow state for 20 for sure. hours. So, so it was 20 hours. So almost a day, right? It was yeah. 20 hours. I finished in 19 hours. Crazy. Wow. And yeah, it was, um, you know, my, I had trained hard and, um, but I also have this thing, you know, ultra distances really help us, um, learn to tolerate uncertainty and discomfort. And so it's, it is this kind of mental training and like, you can train for different variables and you can train sure. for elevation and altitude and technical trails. But then when you show up on the day, like really anything is possible and anything yeah. can happen, whether it's the weather or, um, and so you need to be able to sort of let go and open to what is happening. And yeah. so that's kind of the Zen part of running that has been important to me. And I've been able to do that so that like, I know if I've done the training mm-hmm. and, I, and I put in my training and I'm mostly prepared that when I get to the race, I can kind of switch into like what I call receive mode, which is just like, okay, what am I going to learn from this? Yeah. And that has been this just great asset to me as a runner, because I don't go in with any super fixed ideas of what will happen. Okay. Um, I try to just flow with what is happening. And so at, at Leadville, like I had a, a rough plan and I, I knew what my approach would be. And I just thought, well, I'm going to be in flow for as long as possible. And then when I pop out, like when I come out, because invariably I will, and I'll start to suffer, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I had pacers and I knew I would eat and like, I would have trekking poles, you know, I had a whole plan and what ended up happening was that I just pretty much stayed in that flow state for the entire time. That's awesome. I, you know, I, to this day, it feels, uh, you know, like, I'm not sure how that happened, except that I was in, I was in the right place at the right time, fully prepared and also open for sure. That spirit of openness is so important. 
For sure. Yeah. And that, and that's a fantastic achievement, you know, and congrats on that because that's crazy. And I, I'm sure that, you know, anybody that knows anything about ultras, they've heard probably the Leadville 100 before. It's such a great race. And it's, um, it's just a really wonderful community. And, and as I said earlier, like I really derive so much energy from the mountains For sure, and I yeah. find that that's where I feel most alive and most myself. So it, it just was a right fit. Like I have since, um, you know, I want to run another hundred and, but I will say like, I'm a little bit leery of running. Like I think about running a lower elevation one, or maybe one in the desert. Like I thought about one in outside Phoenix and those scare me a little bit because like I'm the mountains are where I feel like comfortable. comfortable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Some people no, think not, it's crazy yeah. to hear, but no, it, it makes sense though. I mean, it's just relevant. Yeah. yeah it's sort of what I train on. Like yeah. I, the mountains out here, like from my door, I can run up to 12 and a half thousand feet. And that is the high point of the Leadville course is 12 and a half. So it was That's quite, amazing. I was quite, my terrain here really matched the train of the race. And that helps a lot. I mean, sure. I didn't realize what an advantage it is to sort of just be in the similar like if I'm going to run a desert 100, I better spend some time in the desert. In the desert, yeah, to train, to get used to it for sure. Um, would you ever try out the Moab? Because that's what, Moab 240, right? Is that Moab 240. So, so just like re- until recently, I would have just said like no way to 200. Like okay. what is that about? I mean, <laughs> I can't even fathom that. But then there was the race in Arizona that just finished last week. And I think it was a 250. The Co- I think it's called the Cocodona. Okay. And, um, that kind of captivated me because that feels like a very transcendent, like obviously a physical endeavor, but like your mind has to go to some pretty amazing places and sure. just persevere. And, um, so I started getting a little more interested because obviously you're not running that whole time. Like you are just moving and yeah. move is so elemental and it's so fundamental to us as humans. And that's kind of just what I try to spend my day just moving as in as many ways that feel good as possible. So I think in some ways it intrigues me more now that I like followed that race, but I don't know, like that. I don't know how my body would do. I like (laughs) to think it'd be okay. A lot of hiking and I just hike a ton here anyway. Yeah. I, you know, I hike on family days on, um, we do hiking and that's such great cross training for sure. Yeah. Still climbing, but, but you're moving more slowly. Yeah. And it's that, you know, the mental, you know, once you get to that sleep deprivation, I can only imagine how that feels. (laughs) I don't know how that is intriguing to me. And I also, what I really was drawn to was that the teams that these runners had put together for sure. Yeah. And it was really moving to see that like, people came to support their runners like for the better part of a week yeah in that kind of community i think that especially after a year of covid like when we've been so isolated for sure i miss that and and i just like the the connection that you forge with people when you're working toward a shared goal whether or not you're or a crew or the runner like is is pretty powerful so that is that's a really big part of it for me too is um, for sure. but, but I'd worry like who would like you'd have to who who could give up their lives for yeah it's a big commitment yeah a big ask. yeah for sure yeah I, I can only imagine that's it's crazy but that, yeah, that's very yeah, interesting. Like, I, you know I'm definitely a little intrigued yeah 
I can imagine. <laughs> I love it. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to do a quick app of the day and a book of the day. So app of the day, do you have any app recommendations? Um, um, that you, anything gosh. that you use? I, like, I'm just looking at my phone right now to see what I use. Um, like, I wish I could say that I use, oh, you know what I do use? I use um, Trail Run Project. Okay. And that helps me, um, like, find new trails when I travel. Oh, and awesome. I Great. Um, I also use um, the Hiking Project is okay. also, I think their sister, yeah, Hiking Project. And, and um, so you can search for trails near you. And then like, I'm, again, I'm very low data, but recently when I've been using these in different places, like it's pretty cool that you can follow yourself on the route, okay. which when you're running alone is a good reassurance that you're not off trail. Absolutely. And, yeah. So in the fall I was doing, I was running a bunch of sections of the continental divide trail, which is a through trail from Mexico to Canada. And there's like 750 miles through New Mexico. Wow. And I do think at some point I am going to do that whole That'd thing be cool. <laughs> New Mexico. But I was using um, the hiking project or the trail run project to find the routes. Okay. And that was just good peace of mind. Cause I, again, I go out by myself For sure. and the trail's not well mapped. So I love those. Um, yeah. and especially if you're traveling, like we went to Hawaii in March and I was like, I need to find some dirt trails. And, um, and that was a good, good resource. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And that gives you peace of mind as well, which is, which is very helpful. So that's great. Um, in terms of book of the day, do you have any book recommendations, anything that's, well, I, I'm a voracious reader, I think because I'm a writer and, or maybe I'm a writer because I'm a voracious <laughs> but so I always have a stack, you know, a tall stack of books on my desk. I mean, on my bedside table and on my desk everywhere, really. And, um, but I would say the book that I come back to again and again, that helps me so much with running and it's not a running book, but it's called Zen mind beginner's mind. Okay. And it's a Zen book about, um, what some of the things we've talked about, which is like letting go of fixed ideas and of like a desired outcome and opening to what is now in the moment. And that really has helped me with, with training. So it's like with Leadville, I never, I signed up, I got in, it's a lottery. It was, you know, I, sure. I didn't know I would get in. And I held that goal at the end of like, of doing it. Like, and I was very clear that I would do it. And I spoke about it a lot, which is always a good sign to me that I'm committed. For sure. Um, but I held on to that loosely. So in other words, like each day showing up to train, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to win Leadville. Like it honestly never crossed my mind that I would win Leadville. Yeah. And so that helped me just be present in my running and tune into my body more and tune into my surroundings and not get so like iron fisted on the goal. And um, I think that we're capable of so much when we open to like myriad possibilities um, rather than just like, if I'm, if I don't run under 22 hours, it's not successful, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that book has so much wisdom in it. It is also about sitting meditation, but you literally, and as I read it, like kind of every time he talks about um, meditating or sitting, you could replace it with running and it like would make total sense for or sure. whatever your sport is. Yeah. Um, and he, um, the author is Shinri Suzuki and okay. he, he is a Zen master. He passed away in 1971, but it is like a seminal book. And um, I, I kind of read it 
start to finish. And then when I get to the end, I start over. Oh, awesome. Great. So Zen mind, beginner's mind. Awesome. Great. That is definitely one that everybody has to check out. That's great. Um, it's super approachable too. It's not, yeah. you know, um, not hard. It, there's moments when it's hard to understand, but if you try to understand it with your brain, it's harder. But if you try to, if you feel it in your body and understand it in your body, you'll get it. And For that's sure. why really works for runners for sure no i love it yeah like easy reads i find are sometimes some of the best reads right um yeah. easy to comprehend for a lot of my students i always give book recommendations and they really like the ones with the pictures even though they are college students well, yeah. <laughs> but it's just easy to comprehend so i i always try to give them that there's calligraphy in this um that's it that's perfect that's a selling point chapters are short so people can like just and that's what i'll do is like i'll just read a couple of paragraphs and I'll, then I'll sit and kind of meditate it and like absorb it into Process my body it, yeah. and then I'll go run and I'll run on it. So like, I'll run it into my body, if that makes sense. No, no, that makes total sense. <laughs> I love it. Great. Um, in terms of your running shoes, is there a specific pair of running shoes that you love? Yes. I love Hoka. Okay. Um, so my favorite running shoe is the Hoka Torrent. Okay. Um, but the first edition, my feet were not happy in the Torrent 2, which is the new one. So I, of course, snapped up every Torrent one, one in size online. Um, but they are just great for like medium, short to medium runs. And then my long run, I run in the Hoka Challenger. It's just extra cushion. We didn't talk about this, but I had a pretty traumatic um, accident before I ran Leadville in 2016, I broke my leg in the wilderness and, um, I had to have surgery and I have a plate in my leg. And so, um, it's totally healed. Mm -hmm. Um, but the extra cushion is just like, I think mentally those hokas helped me out. But recently I just started running in a pair of ultras that I love. Okay. Um, Yeah. The temp. And okay. the, again, I would use this for anything up to like 12 miles, 10, you know, 12 or 14 miles. For sure. Awesome. Great. It's always interesting to hear what people like. Everybody's got their favorite. So that's great. And I, I think too, like, j- just to that point, like my feet are healthiest and happiest when I have a few different pairs of shoes yeah. that I wear each week. So like when, when we get super wed to like one pair, yeah. Like I was saying with the torrents, I bought them all up that the little like alarm bell was going off in my brain of like, that's that fixed notion that I have to run in these shoes. So like the Zen approach would be to like, okay, I'm going to try a new pair and I'm going to have a couple pairs. And I, but I do think that you, your feet, um, stay healthier when you mix it up a little. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And you'll find that better, you know, some shoes fit better than others. Well, you're kind of running on the same brand as well. So they probably fit similar, but um, I run with a few different types of sh- just brands and they all fit different. So right, right. out of the gate. What do yeah. you like? I, I've been running in a lot of Nikes lately, but also Sockneys as well. Um, I do like the Sockneys, but um, yeah, I have, a, I have a couple pairs of Nikes. They're not even that expensive. They just fit my feet great. So for like road running and stuff like that, I really like them, like the ultra flies and stuff like that. But It's cool when you find yeah. a pair and like I do it. I, I think that when you find something that feels good and that makes you like yeah. actually get out the door in them, it's such a boost. Like even just having this new pair of ultras, it's a little bit of exciting to have yeah. something new. And uh, so, you know, use all those tricks to like, 
because even no matter how deep you deeply you love it yeah like you're still gonna need those little perks every now and then like the new pair of shoes or the like the the new playlist that's big for me like every now every so often I have to make a new playlist like every six weeks or something for sure no no it makes sense or else you go crazy that's just how it is to like trick yourself to feel inspired sometimes. Absolutely. I love it. Um, great. So that is the end of today's podcast. We actually ran longer than I thought. Sorry for keeping you, but you know, it was a great conversation. It was fantastic. Um, one of the things that we do at the very end before we do that though, um, if you have anything to promote, what is your, the name of your book? What is your social media handles? If you could just share that so everybody can grab that. So the book is Running Home, a memoir, and it's out now in paperback. And you can find it um, obviously online at all the major um, retailers online, um, the big ones. I won't name names, but um, you know where to find it. But, uh, you know, I'm a huge supporter of local bookstores. So um, if you can support your community shop, um, they're so important to our neighborhoods, um, and they need, you know, they rely on people like you. So, and if they don't have running home, um, you can order it. Uh, they'll be happy to order. I've ordered so many books from my bookstore this year. And it's, um, it's kind of fun because it's not instant gratification, maybe quite as instant as Amazon, but like, it is fun when you get that call and they're like, your book is in. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that's running home a memoir and, um, it's really as much um, about father-daughter relationships and kind of um, grief and resilience and um, living into your true self as much as it is about running. And it, sure. you know, certainly not a technical how-to book, though you can glean some stuff from it. For Absolutely. Sure. And then um, you also have an audio book for that as well, right? Yep, it's on audio. Yeah. It's on, um, it's a Kindle as well. So um, all those versions, um, I've heard from lots of people who listen to it while they run. And I'm like, going to be I, listening to it yeah, tonight. I'm like, gonna- oh, I, I couldn't, you know, I ran an extra like five miles because I was listening and that's kind of fun. Um, and then you can find me, you know, follow me on social media. I, I'm most active on Instagram, which is I'm at Katie Arnold, which is for my sure. name, A-A-T-I-E Arnold. Um, I'm on um, Twitter at Raising Rippers, which is the name of a column I started for Outside Magazine about bringing up adventurous kids, which, um, so that's Twitter. And then I'm on Facebook as Katie Arnold. So yeah, I'm I'm active on social media. Um, I have a website, katiearnold.net, where I post info about running and writing retreats that I lead. Um, But probably the, the place to find me where I am like most often is on um, Instagram. Love it. Awesome. Great. So what we do at the very end of the podcast is a question of the day. So a question that you can ask everybody, just something that they can maybe think about on their evening run tonight or morning run tomorrow. Oh, a question I'm asking. Are you yeah, asking- just anything, just literally anything. Yeah. Okay, my question is what moves you? Love it. Absolutely love it. Great. Thank you everybody for listening to today's episode. Katie, thank you so much for joining. And until next time, we'll see you all later. Canadian dream.